0: This time loop... thing. How did you get out of it? I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord. Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. No, obviously the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS
1: always to return to Earth. It seems
0: that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world, and I have to deal with them. I'm your host, uh, Molly Marsh. I wasn't quite sure then, there was I. Um, And I am currently walking around my bedroom at 25 past 10 at night with the big light on. So I'm going to switch that off right away. I only recently learned about ambient lighting. Um, We've got a a lamp in our bedroom um, and I I tend to spend my evenings with just the lamp on um, nowadays, which uh, which is much better for my eyes. Um, Anyway this week on the podcast i spoke with alex morland a writer critic whose blog um i've enjoyed for for quite some time now um it was lovely of him to join me alex and i had a had a chat about his blog and about um his doctor who life and how he got into doctor who as as per usual um and we also talked about um reviews and and what compels us to read reviews and what compels us to write reviews and that was a really interesting chat and we also discussed his unpopular opinion that the next Doctor Who showrunner should not be a Doctor Who fan, which was a conversation that led us down all kinds of different avenues and I'm excited for you to hear it. I also already have another podcast in the bag that I recorded this morning with somebody over in Australia, um, so uh, that's something to look forward to. But until then, please enjoy my conversation with Alex Moreland. So I'm here with Alex Morland, uh, writer, um, critic. I really like your blog, Alex.
0: Thank you very much. I really like your podcast.
1: That's uh, so kind and felt very unnatural because um, what listeners don't know is that we... Uh, I just lost the recording of the first seven minutes and we're doing this again. So we've just have to, had to endure taking compliments for a, for a we, second time. Um, we're we're going to
0: do it word for word. We're, we're going to try, uh, yeah. Well... <laughs> We, we're going to get it right, and um, they, they, there's no way anyone can no, contradict us. <laughs> no, we said,
1: we said all this last time. We somehow knew, and we said all this, didn't we?
0: That we did.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I was asking you, I've asked you already, but I'm going to ask you again uh, about the time in May when you interviewed Christopher Eccleston for um, Yahoo Movies. Um, and the interview was in relation to the A-Word series that he's in. Um, but I, I wondered, since you're a Doctor Who fan, um whether you had a, a burning question that you wanted to ask Chris about Doctor Who but that you couldn't
0: Well and uh, this this will surprise you to hear. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna do that before every answer, don't worry. <laughs> um, I I I did not particularly have any um sort of burning Doctor Who questions because um Uh, in, in part because the, um, the, the PR team had sort of said, um, look, we're looking to cover kind of other, other areas, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of Doctor Who is not, not a priority on this one. Don't, don't bring it up. (laughs) Um, so that, I mean, that was something I kind of had in mind anyway, as I was sort of preparing questions and so on. Um, you don't want
1: to be that guy, do you? Yeah, no, you don't. You don't want to be just... Ian Levine in that um, Torchwood uh, press <laughs> panel where he yeah. asks Russell T Davies a question, and Russell's going, "This is a Doctor Who question. This is a Doctor yes. Who question," and then he just tells him to fuck off.
0: You don't, yes, yeah, you don't want to be that I'm, guy. Unlike I'm Ian, I am. I am a real journalist. <laughs> we might might have to take that bit. Yeah, out. he says that, doesn't um, he? He
1: said, "You're not a journalist, Ian. Fuck off." Yeah, wow.
0: But um, yeah. It... That was interesting, actually. I, I was watching interviews with with Chris We too, didn't um... do this
1: bit last time. This is new we territory. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is
0: new. But you, you reminded me of it. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I was watching some interviews with Chris Freckleston to prepare because um, that—that's just something I like to do. my due diligence as a. Uh, um, I do, and, and I do I a
1: similar watching... thing myself for for the podcast. Oh,
0: interesting. Mm. I, I I'll. I'll get back to that. But um, the, yeah, so, so he he'd sort of done this interview where um, he said, oh, you know, he, he tries to be careful of journalists, which makes sense. Obviously, a very prudent kind of thing to do. Mm. But it was, I kept watching it. And about a minute later, I sort of realized, oh, hang on a minute, that's me. In this context, I'm, <laughs> I, I am technically a journalist, which um, is not, not something I often think. But um yeah, and that kind of brings us back round, which was um I sort of approaching this this interview with uh Christopher and the highlight of my, my career. Um I I I was astonishingly nervous, sort mm. of more, more so than I'd been for um any other kind of of the other sort of seventy odd
1: I can imagine. that I've yeah, I can imagine.
0: Yeah um and i can reel off all their names now no but um yeah yeah so chris foxston was the most um sort of nervous i'd i'd been so i had to cling cling to the uh the already thin veneer of professionalism sure. that i was kind of trying to put forward
1: and you said um, uh, and you said that you didn't have a a, a burning question particularly and although it, that might seem surprising i kind of see what you mean because um i watched this interview on youtube with Liam Gallagher where the interviewer interviewer asked him um what he'd say to John Lennon or what he'd ask John Lennon if he if he could and yeah. Liam just sort of says well, I don't think I'd want to meet him and mm-hmm. and I um I I kind of you know the in, the interview is completely dumbfounded by yeah. Liam's answer there but as I've got older I've kind of grown to understand what he means there in that like it is a bit of a cliche, like you you never you never want to meet your heroes. Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm kind. Of, I think with someone like Christopher Eccleston, who has such mythological weight in my life, I don't know that I want to know, like what was going through his head when he was on Doctor Who, or you know who he was falling out with, or whatever. I just kind of his his interpretation of the Doctor is so complete. Do you know mm. what I mean? I, I just don't. You're
0: think, yeah. you're doing a much better job of sticking to the script than I. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yes, yes. Last I, time no, you I laughed completely. more at
1: my um, broad Mancunian accent when I when I it, impersonated <laughs> Liam Gallagher. This time it, it didn't go was, down as well. It,
0: it was it was funnier the first time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: When it was well-tread territory, just yeah, tumbleweed. Yes, yeah, was...
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was yeah. it was a, a lovely experience. He was lovely to talk to. He very much put my uh, sort of nerves at ease. Mm-hmm uh because because i suspect they were very obvious um it, it doesn't come across on the page so much but i i because sus- i i go through and i clear up all my own um all, all the mistakes in my half of the transcript yeah, yeah, like yeah, those yeah. right up um yep
1: i do an equivalent thing with this i i edit more of myself out than i do the
0: guest. Um, <laughs> that's very reasonable
1: yeah in terms of your blog then um, obviously, yeah. you you talk about you write about um, movies, TV, and and Doctor Who. Um, how do you decide what to cover for the blog?
0: Um, it is part partially. It's about what's topical, I suppose, um, but more so, it's it's just if I feel. And I'll make the same joke. Uh, and I'm sure people reading it would disagree. But uh, if I feel like I had something interesting to say, yeah. Um, I...
1: Yeah, because sometimes you can yeah. really love something or really hate something and not have not yeah, have a particularly yeah. interesting take on it, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, because... So you don't mandate yourself to, to cover certain stuff. It's just whatever whatever you have something to... Yeah, whenever you have a comment on something.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll be be sort of in, inclined to write about something else sort of thing oh yeah i'm i'm definitely gonna write about this this is something i should write about but then you know when i watch it it's just like oh i don't i, I don't have two thousand words of uh critical yeah. insight
1: is it sometimes do you sometimes find it an interesting experiment though to try and get a couple of thousand words out yourself about something i don't know um, like i i did a blog series earlier in the year, like right at the start of lockdown called Favourite Songs Ever, where I just yeah. put loads of my favourite songs ever in a Spotify playlist and then I shuffled it each day and I wrote about whichever one came up. Um, now, I didn't stick to that rule exactly. Like If one came up and I really had nothing to say, I just skipped it and shuffled the playlist again. But mm-hmm. it was a kind of interesting thing to go, okay how do i write a like i mine was about a thousand words for that so i thought like how do i write a thousand words about this song that is just at the end of the day a song i like like how do i fashion a take here and i found that quite an interesting and challenging and
0: fun exercise um yeah no i i do understand that is something i have tried unsuccessfully to do um i i don't want to refer people to specific um pieces that are that that are just lightweight and nothingy yeah but um certainly like there are you you know like i i've written doctor who reviews because that's sort of the one thing i do try and do more consistently
1: yeah
0: yeah where um i i just kind of talk around it for for X amount of words, like, yes, I'm I'm going to start reviewing this. It's really interesting, the concept <laughs> of reviewing, isn't it? But this and, that could be um,
1: interesting, too. Like, sometimes those reviews where... So, like, I, I've interviewed a guy called Johnny Spandrel on this podcast quite a lot, who has mm-hmm. a blog that is, has that is finished it, so but it's called... Random the Random Ones. ones. Ra- yeah, Random Hooners. Yeah, and yeah. There, he regularly doesn't talk about the story at all, but he'll pick a thing about it and then go in this, like, really long diversion about... This specific element of the episode, or he'll write like this, like a funny comedy riff on a, a thing in the episode, um, and I, I think that's a really interesting approach.
0: Mm. Uh, as a, uh, as an occasional reader of those, and um, a, a frequent writer of my own, uh, he, he does it much better than I do. <laughs> I guess
1: yeah. with, I guess with your blog, it is more of a, um, it is more of a straightforward review blog, so you wouldn't really be able to get away with writing something, writing some of the more gonzo posts that Johnny Spandrel does because it's people are looking for a review, right?
0: Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it, it's this meaningless little semantic thing, but I, in, in my head, um, I, I divide the, uh, some of the posts are reviews and some of them are articles. Right. Okay. And in Yeah. But, and, and it, in in a way, I couldn't meaningfully quantify that does somehow yeah, yeah. change change the approach. So well, I suppose, I suppose with
1: a review, you're you the purpose, the ostensible purpose of it is to make a recommendation, isn't it, for or against it, or it, you know, to a certain degree. Whether whereas with an article, it's that's not a necessary component of it.
0: Um, Would you agree? In in the broad... <laughs> yeah. I not yeah you're Mm. not
1: necessarily assessing a a, a story's quality if you talk about it in an article whereas i think that is kind of
0: necessary in a review
1: Mm. or maybe it's not i don't know
0: oh i'm gonna be thinking about this for weeks i'm always thinking about this sort of thing uh and and getting no closer to answers but um i don't i because i suppose um i mean you you say that and i think rightly say that about reviews but the I, I would imagine most of the people who have read, you know, a thousand words about praxis or whatever, are probably people who have already seen it and yeah. This is an interesting question, her. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because I saw I, I saw you post in, on
1: Twitter asking about like what do you read reviews for, and it yeah. did make me think like. Oh I I I do mostly read reviews of things I've already watched. I I won't mm-hmm. often. Sometimes I'll listen to Mark Kermode on um his Radio 5 show talking about yeah. films I haven't seen and I, but that's because he's a critic that I really respect and he does kind of do short reviews where he is kind of making just a recommendation is it good is yeah. it not and but I think with more with longer written pieces like the ones you do I don't think I'd read I don't think I'd read one of your reviews if it was about something I hadn't seen yet, because I would,
0: I don't know, it just wouldn't appeal to me. See, I, I do often um, read sort of longer reviews of, of things I haven't seen. Yeah, um, I, I
1: think I do too, but only when I don't care about seeing them. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. If it's something that yeah. I know
1: I'm never going to watch or don't care about having spoiled for me, then I will happily read mm-hmm. a review of something I've not seen. But, you know, I wouldn't read, I wouldn't read, um, if I'd missed a Doctor Who that week because I was out, I wouldn't yeah, go, oh, i better read Alex's yeah. review of it before I watch it to see if it's any good. Because I, I, but I suppose that part of that is I'm just going to watch Doctor Who anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll sort of read things by, um, kind of, kind of by writers if I find them sort of interesting, whether or not I've seen, um seen or, or even sometimes intend to see the um yeah kind of the yeah. the piece in question um which you know i just i just enjoy it there's not a lot of <laughs> not a lot of meaning to it
1: maybe there is which which story in uh the re- most recent series of doctor who which i expect is a topic we'll come back to later mm-hmm. um did you find the most i'm not which which story did you find the most difficult to write about in terms of you couldn't find a take, that thing we were talking about earlier of, yeah you know, you, know, you weren't you didn't have something to latch onto, which which story was the biggest challenge because I know which story I have in my head as the one that I found hardest to, to generate conversation about on the podcast
0: um I struggled a bit with um Nikola Nicola Nicola Tess- Tesla Nikola Tesla's Night of yeah, Terror I
1: mean that springs to mind as um, one that's like quite good but just it's just like a, a functioning piece of action adventure television, isn't that? Isn't it? There's not really well, a lot I, to say.
0: I I liked it a lot, and I think there is probably all sorts of things to say about um, how they do historicals and t- Tesla specifically is kind of an mm. interesting character within that because he sort of is the real life manifestation of that kind of uh, what what's the word I'm looking for kind of. Oh, I I don't want to commit to a historical term that's wrong Edwardian, that kind of, that kind yeah. of um, that's got to be wrong. It doesn't matter that, but that kind of sort of historical inventor type, yeah, which yes. um the the doctor as an archetype so often plays upon. True,
1: yeah, true. I didn't hadn't thought that there was a parallel there.
0: It's I I think it's like one line in the in the review. I didn't didn't really yeah. engage with it yeah. properly, but um, yeah, I did that one and um. Fugitive of the Jadoon I struggled with a bit. I've I
1: think.
0: just been reading your review of that, and I thought it was—I thought it was quite good. Oh, that's because I would have said that the Tesla and the Jadoon one were probably the. Um, it was a the... difficult
1: one, fugitive of the of the Judoon, because it it felt—and you alluded to this in your review—but it felt mm. like half a story. And I I just watched it again a couple of days ago, and yeah. it's even weirder now because it feels like half a story. Still, and, and the second part doesn't exist like it's really yeah, odd, yeah. Um, but I know that the story that I found it most difficult to talk about on the podcast was praxius for sure
0: i I had a feeling you might say that yeah, it was, it, it, was a, took, it was a struggle. It took me a while to get into praxis, but I, I I would say it was probably one of my um favorites of the year in the end. um, yeah, Praxius grows on you much like the um plastic. Oh god. So <laughs> I, I I have a lot of bad jokes scripted for the second half of this which Great. I will work in. I'm so very, happy. Very organic. Seamlessly Great.
1: <laughs> right. So in terms of um of Dr. Who in general then how did you how did you originally get into the show? Um yeah, what what um, made you a Doctor Who fan, Alex?
0: I I was a Doctor Who fan, I think originally because I, um, be, because everyone else was, and I'm a very uh, individualistic and yeah. free-thinking person. <laughs> now, I mean, it was just you know when it started in um, two two thousand and five, mm-hmm. it was just obviously you know the the most popular thing on on television, mm-hmm. um, and it was. But I, I didn't start watching it from from Rose. Um, I started watching it with. It, it would have been Bad Wolf or The Parting of the Ways.
1: Oh wow, you came so, in right at the end there. Yeah,
0: right at the end, and I think at that point I, because I was, you know, fairly young, um, but I, I think, was expecting it to just be on every week because I, I essentially the only kind of concept of television I had was sort of syndicated stuff that was mm-hmm. just on repeats all the time. Yeah, yeah. So um, I tuned in for Doctor Who, Daleks, etc. Great, um, and then it ended. You know how it did. We all know how it ended. But um, and then it wasn't on next week, and I'm fairly sure I would have missed the Christmas special. So, but then I kind of picked it up again. Tuned in
1: again for season two.
0: Yeah, from New Earth, which was at the time the most terrifying thing ever. So I try not to rewatch it just in case it's not. Well, because of the the zombies yeah i think so it was um not necessarily anything about them but like like kind of being crowded surrounded by things um i'm not claustrophobic but but i suppose claustrophobic essentially um so so there was just something about that like surrounded from all sides big crowds beats a jump scare but um yeah it's not uh it's not nice mm, but i I, and I mean i've watched it again since and it's sort of like oh yeah you know it's new earth okay but um (laughs) so 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 i i i don't watch it so much anymore um just to try and preserve that original oh my god i'm terrified yeah but um yeah no everyone was into it and it was the um just just something everyone used to to watch and talk about and discuss and
1: yeah it's interesting that thing you said about that being your first, um, uh, first introduction to the idea of a television series coming happening in seasons like that, because I mm. think it, I think the same is true of me. Like, obviously, I knew that television had seasons like that, but Doctor Who was the first. Our new new Doctor Who was the first time that I was like, oh, now I have to wait a year. Like, I don't yeah. think I'd ever been invested in a television program before mm. then to the extent that I would have noticed that. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I think part of that, which um, I, I suppose kind of follows on from that, is is true for. I suspect you, you'll recognise this also, but it was kind of Doctor Who was the first kind of program I was conscious of as as a like an ongoing production with kind of writers, mm-hmm. like not not that oh, I wasn't yeah, too, unaware absolutely. that someone kind of drew Tom and Jerry or whatever for sure, for but, sure, but you didn't, but, you wouldn't like something it. I yeah. was kind of really engaging with and getting into and looking at like you know confidential and interviews and all of that and um in many ways that explains who who i am today no but you you know what i mean like like i imagine it
1: does a little bit that i mean last week on the podcast or last episode of the podcast i was hmm. chatting with um Ellie Tardis Monkey on Twitter, yes, and was she was telling me, earlier. "Oh, thank you, fantastic." Um, she was telling me about how Doctor Who Confidential kind of introduced her to the world of television production, and now she's a full-time yeah, she's an editor, editor yeah. for a living. And I, I, think that's true of so many people I know that um, Will Carlisle, who I've had on the podcast quite a lot yeah. as well, yeah. he yeah. always credits Doctor Who Confidential with being the thing that made him want to work in TV and film. Um, mm. And I, yeah, I think we don't give it the credit it's due. Um in terms of yeah the, introducing kids in particular to the idea that you know there's someone behind this making it all and mm. making it all happen
0: yeah
1: uh, um when did when was the point then when you you transitioned from being a viewer of Doctor Who to a Doctor Who fan? when did you realize there were other people who were as into Doctor Who as you
0: um I mean I mean sort of at school we like i was saying we were all into it it was like a kind of thing people used to sort of people used to sort of like um re- reenact it mm-hmm. I, I assume reenact it but like like a, a break time and stuff and people would allocate characters
1: yeah I and it this.
0: was but but th- this is kind of i suppose he, he kind of, i suppose like a testament to how popular it was widespread was that um this kind of very crystal clear memory i have was that um they were kind of going through the characters like oh you'll be dr who you'll be captain jack blah 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 blah. who am i going to be and and it was like oh you'll be captain jack's friend who was perhaps better known to the to the your your dedicated listeners as the Programmer from Satellite Five in in Bad Wolf. Oh my god! <laughs> that that was kind of the as
1: if you were you were role playing as as uh, as that on the playground. That's yeah. So I funny. mean, I don't
0: I don't know quite how specific and scripted it was, and i but but that that's just something I have. It's have funny. What come kids on to pick up on years. Yeah, I, I think so, I... I don't even. I think I was probably thrilled. But, uh... <laughs>
1: You were thrilled so that, to have of that bit part, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, because that's how sort of uh, e- extensive the uh, the the doling out of for sure art so, I, um, <laughs> I yeah. think I've
1: told this story on the podcast before, but mm. I was play acting Doctor Who in the playground, b- before New Who came back, it was maybe in the six months before it came back. Yeah. And I had made a friend in the year above me at school, at primary school, yeah. and he was quite a new friend, but I had roped him into um, role-playing Doctor Who with me in, in the playground. And I was the Doctor, and he was my companion. And I had yeah. to explain the whole premise, not only the premise of Doctor Who, but also the concept of time travel well, to this boy. Yeah. I, of, of time travel. I remember oh, okay. explaining um, time travel to this, to this uh, <laughs> 11-year-old boy. And and then we we played it for maybe like two or three days, and I was one of these obsessive kids who it had a prescribed ongoing story, and I was thinking that yeah, the previous evening what a I was gonna too, yeah, yeah I was thinking about that what the narr- uh, narrative was gonna be tomorrow, and then this kid dropped the bombshell on me that um he was moving to the Orkney Isles, um <gasps> and wouldn't be able to be my companion anymore. And oh I God. remember distinctly, and this says a lot about me, that he was, like, having his shirt signed and everything and, like, having pictures taken with his actual friends who'd been his friends the whole way through school, like, yeah. in the playground. And I was, like, approaching him, like, dude, like, can I just borrow you for a second? Because we, we, yeah, com- <laughs> yeah, we need to do your companion <laughs> departure, like, right now, otherwise, <laughs> like, it'll be a loose end. Um, <laughs> I must have been totally be like, insufferable. Um, no, yeah, we would. He would have been just written off <laughs> off screen. It would have been absolutely unforgivable. Oh um, <laughs> should we? Uh, should we do unpopular opinions, Alex? I think I've. Do, yeah. You know, I think I've done that anecdote on the podcast before. But I, you know, people it's can have, people can have it again. But, um, um,
0: yeah, I I have a have a a little bit more because because um, it like it wasn't just the um like like obviously everyone was into it but eventually yeah. um I kind of joined a like an online forum around of course all did we all did, so? we all did. <laughs> yeah we, we all did but um yeah that was I just, just wanted to canonize that for the podcast because it was um a, a very nice forum that no longer exists but um that makes it sound so sad maybe edit <laughs> that bit out I, I'm not I still talk. That to that. Them. It's lovely. I still talk to them on Twitter. It's which fine. forum was it? Uh, it was. It was the Doctor Who figures online. Doctor which, Who uh, figures online. Yes, wow. which was niche. my my particular niche. Yeah. But, Did you um, make those
1: figure adventures where you sort of do a comic strip by taking a series of photographs?
0: Yes. Yeah, I, very I used to.
1: In. I used to look at those all the time on the desktop computer at my at my dad's house as a
0: kid. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that, and I I still talk to the. Uh, to the various various members all of whom are tom for some reason um but yeah,
1: <laughs> should, so, we, yeah. should we should we do popular opinions yes uh, yes let's yeah.
0: get get to the actual schedule part that everyone's interested in i know you brought
1: some, brought some notes with you
0: yes they are they are mostly just jokes but um great i'm all for it
1: would which, you like to which,
0: um state your take first of all state your take well um so obviously when when you ask me and you can, you know, sort of attest to this, it took me a while to kind of think of something that, that I I could share because obviously all my um Doctor Who opinions are very mainstream. Like, you know, Love of Monsters is a ten out of ten, Clara's the best companion, very uncontroversial things like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that was that was yeah. Um, was that really was that in your jokes joke, in your joke yeah, edit uh, out set? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you can edit that out. Please do anyway. I won't. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. This is just
1: a rehearsal for you, isn't it? For a, a sort of um Doctor Who stand up hour that you're debuting at the Edinburgh Fringe next year, right?
0: I, I thankfully I have a lot of time to work on it between now and then. <laughs> um, no, and, go anyway, ahead. You, anyway. you were mulling so, it over what to,
1: what to talk to me about,
0: yes. Yeah, so so I, was, I was mulling it over, uh, but eventually. I, I I set up on this, which is that the next Doctor Who showrunner uh, should not be should not be a Doctor Who fan, uh, which which comes with many caveats to sort of okay. tide us out for the half hour. Let's yeah.
1: start with the why then. So look, why, why? Yeah, why should the next Doctor Who showrunner not be a Doctor Who fan? Because it's um, gone well so far, right? Most it ha-
0: it Large, largely it has. By and yeah. large. Yeah, I'm... Two out of
1: three well, ain't bad, as they say.
0: Yes. Yeah, it is in, in part a response to the third. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's something I've kind of been thinking since around around Hellbent, which mm-hmm. is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, in many ways a personal favourite. I, I love Hellbent, but um it did also feel in some ways like the, I, I suppose, kind of the furthest you can push a particular... Particular avenue or a particular perspective,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, that, but that's what Moffat is so good at and known for, isn't it? Is is just stretching things to their very limit, like getting an idea and just stretching it until it's almost at breaking point,
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, which is, yeah, which is kind of what I'm thinking now. The, um, the you know, whoever is next, which, which will I imagine be years away. I, suspect we're years away from series 13 at this point let alone from you know chris chibnall yeah moving on to um bring exciting pastures. new pastures yeah. Yeah. yeah but um the yeah yeah so my sense is that um whoever replaces him uh should should not be sort of a doctor who fan such that they can bring um a particular sort of new perspective a fresh to it, take a fresh eye yeah
1: i suppose my my initial counterpoint to this would be mm. that doctor who is such a grueling production and a show that requires such a wealth of ideas to be thrown at it in one go that surely somebody who is passionate about the show is a, is a requirement because otherwise you'd find yourself not caring down. enough to put that kind of effort into it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or maybe I'm un- underestimating the passion of just
0: writers in general for their jobs. I don't know. Mm, well, I mean, that's because it, it, it is something that if comes up.
1: Yeah, if you're taking on someone else's characters, like characters that are not your own and
0: concepts that mm. are not your own, you've got to really care about them, surely, to, to, to give it your all. Hmm. I mean it it is something that kind of comes up in these discussions where almost it's kind of like a reflexive assumption like oh yeah you know we're we're discussing who it's going to be so they have to be a Doctor Who fan so who's it going to be just to kind of almost immediately like limiting the pool of of potential hires that the the internet will decide on for the uh, for the BBC but um, the my my sense is a that you know, yes, kind of, as you say, I think uh, kind of a creative type, as it were, is likely to be passionate about about what they're working on without necessarily kind of having an in-depth knowledge of, you know, the trods or whatever. Sure, like, sure. Like um, 60 years worth of trivia, they don't necessarily have to bring that with them. Yeah. Um, and I
1: suppose some of the producers we've had are a testament to that, like Julie Gardner, yeah, um, in absolutely, particular, absolutely. It springs to mind absolutely. as someone who, you know, put her heart and soul into Doctor Who, but mm. didn't give a monkeys about it in terms of its history or
0: yeah, its pedigree. Exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the kind of secondary kind of corollary to that is that perhaps, perhaps Doctor Who shouldn't be such a grueling production, mm. <laughs> and and I suspect that Christian, but, will uh, but talk um, about I think that uh, hours, yeah. than. Uh, Russell T Davies and Stephen Moffat did yeah um you know maybe we asked too much of them
1: but <laughs> series 11 and 12 not shown us that you know what you get when you I don't want to be too harsh here but what you get when it's not a grueling production is um, something a little lackluster do you know what I mean I think built into the to the premise of Doctor Who is that you're gonna have to visit lots of locations. You're gonna have to deal with lots of complex stories at once.
0: Do
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. You're gonna have to balance a lot of concerns. Yeah,
0: but I mean, I, I oh, that's interesting. I, I, I guess I wouldn't necessarily have drawn that link because I, I, I mean, I, that was just kind of an offhand thing. But my suspicion, which could well be wrong, I suppose someone will, will be writing in right now to explain that I'm wrong. But um, my, my suspicion is that um, in sort of scaling back the number of episodes and I think, but in still sort of taking the same length of time to produce them, it is a slightly healthier pace, which, Perhaps, I, yeah. which I wouldn't particularly um, connect to its debatable quality mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Oh, that <laughs> that's not mean not mean don't worry don't it's, worry it feels it feels stranger saying it aloud rather, yeah
1: yeah, yeah. i've
0: seen your blog just writing it down yeah you're i know a, you're I know.
1: a hater through and through
0: <gasps>
1: i i am a can't put a... your money where your mouth is when you come on a podcast <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> i i <laughs> there is there is lots about it that i that i am very very fond of yeah even as i am Disillusioned with with aspects sure. of it, I suppose is 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 how I would put it. So if, um, if Hellbent
1: is the is the beginning of your reservations about having a fan running the show, where do they really start to come to fruition? These reservations, like as the show continues into the Chibnall era, what about the Chibnall era in particular, well, or even the late Stephen Moffat era? I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I and s- go. Oh, that's so. Because it did
0: it did start to to strike me in in series 9 which again is is a favourite i it's it's not entirely to do with with quality it's more about um a a perspective that that is is being brought i suppose yeah. but um it it just started to strike me that um there is i, I there's a certain kind of gravity to certain aspects of of doctor who kind of history if you like canon as it were which which i think people get which which fan showrunners who are fans in amongst all their other qualifications which are many and vast but who are who are fans and who are approaching it with a reverence almost for that um for that history and so on um my my inclination is is just to sort of say that i think it's kind of time to for for a a fresh approach and and this is kind of where the caveat comes in because obviously um dr who fan is a a very vast um it's collection a spectrum of, as well isn't it
1: yeah exactly and like i guess we don't know who in the tv industry is a dr who fan and i suppose mm. like lots of writers that we're not even aware of will be secret closeted yeah, doctor who fans yeah. i mean um, i mean chris chibnall would have been one himself like prior to him having worked on doctor who in series three i don't he didn't compared to whether i spoke uh, a little bit to rob Sherman about this but mm-hmm. c- compared to his contemporaries he he didn't he you know he's the only one in terms of that that group of writers his age and that group of who Doctor did Who do fans one of the age, who, yeah, didn't write a novel, didn't yeah. do a big finish he only stepped into the world of Doctor Who once it was already on uh, television established. Yeah, a big hit on yeah. television which in some ways mm. I guess is wise um, and yeah, yeah we don't know how many other people like him are lurking in the shadows waiting mm. to get their hands on Doctor Who
0: yeah and um, I don't necessarily want to to kind of draw that causal link between being a fan and and sort of quality as it were because um i'm sure you could kind of go through the writers of the last few years and sort of say oh you know how much had sarah dollard watched how much had jamie mattison watched does does their episode compare to mark gated like because because as, as i've said um you know it's something I started thinking about during series nine, which sure. I loved et cetera et cetera et cetera and um, I, and I but, think
1: writing a single episode is a very different thing though as well to writing a to yeah, managing the show absolutely. as a whole you know
0: absolutely it's it's a, um, it's a
1: very different task isn't it
0: and and I guess this is kind of what I meant about caveats, but the um because uh, this is as much about the fact that um kind of. Davies, Moffat, and Chipnal are all of a, of a broadly similar generation and of a broadly similar sort of inclination, I guess, in their taste in Doctor Who, as it were, yeah. like they all yeah, yeah. like a particular era, a particular style, whatever. Yeah. I I mean, I'm there is perhaps out there, you know, someone who is just a massive faction paradox fan who kind of sure. doesn't really care for Tom Baker and but <laughs> they've got the best take on it. I'm not saying they Look, shouldn't I, because... I know and show. I respect a lot
1: of Faction Paradox fans, um, but I, I'm not sure I'd want one running Doctor Who. <laughs>
0: well, well, that that is... I i, I will not be drawn. That, I think, um... you know,
1: you can... There are arguments that the, the showrunner of Doctor Who shouldn't be a Doctor Who fan. There are arguments that it should be. I really think somebody heavily invested in the Doctor Who expanded universe is the last thing we need at the helm of, of Doctor Who. Well, I think maybe, yeah, yeah.
0: The, yeah. The, um, the, 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 the phrasing of this, I almost went with was, you know, the, the next showrunner should not know what the Morbius doctors are, let alone have a strong opinion on them. Right. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, I mean, this is kind of what I'm getting at, I suppose in a, in a very roundabout way. You're
1: beating <laughs> around the bush, but yeah. Yeah. I see yeah. But getting, the,
0: yeah. Um, whoever the next kind of showrunner is should should be someone who is not a fan such that they will feel less beholden to certain fanish instincts
1: yeah and i don't even think it's about being beholden to fanish instincts mm. always i think it's i think it's a push and pull between feeling a responsibility and to not touch certain things and not mess certain things up and just write really good doctor who for fans like you but also a temp a dark temptation to get all all of the toys out of the sandbox and mm. and start playing. Do you know what I mean and I think you can really feel that in Chris Chibnall more than you can f- you could feel it in Davis and Moffat. I think in a way they had a greater sense of balance in terms of those two things, whereas Chibnall you can feel him being really tentative in series eleven whereas where you You wouldn't even know that he was a Doctor Who fan watching it. Do you know what I mean? He seems there like somebody who's come in who doesn't know about Doctor Who and is just writing it based on a model he's seen. Whereas in Series 12, and and particularly the Series 12 finale, that is him, and this is a genuine theory I have. I think Mm -hmm. he wrote that story in the late 1980s when he was a (laughs) teenager. I really think he did. Like Not the script, but I think that idea... Yeah. Is something yeah. that is an idea he has had since he was a teenager, and he just found himself at in the wheel position. of Doctor Who, and just couldn't help it. And and the mm. restraint that he that he'd had for Precies, the whole yeah, of Series yeah. Eleven was too just got too much for him, and he just decided <laughs> to put his fan fiction on screen in Series Twelve, so. for better or for worse. And I think that is that that is the danger of the of the fan. Doctor Who in my mind
0: mm. yeah i mean it's like that kind of you know if i had that power it would set me among the gods yeah because oh. the, the
1: writer chris chibnall knows mm. that the timeless children's dog shit
0: like he knows that
1: <laughs> but he he the the boy inside chris chibnall couldn't yeah. help but put it on screen i honestly think that's the mm. the battle going in, on inside him
0: because mm. i mean i suppose the um Sort of, I'm, I'm sat here saying, you know, yeah, the next showrunner I shouldn't be a fan, so they're not beholden to anything. the The response might be, oh, well, you know, Chris Chibnall's just ma- radically revised all of these things, which is true, but it's kind of as you were saying, he's revised it such that it more closely resembles a straight line of dialogue from a story that was on a month before his sixth birthday. It's yeah, it is a radical revision within a very narrow field of vision i suppose yeah and it's, I, it, I would contend it so is and, it,
1: and it's a and it's like the fact that he cares about that is kind of a problem in and of itself whereas a a non-fan or even someone mm-hmm. who'd just been really into new who but never never seen classic yeah. movie, for example would would kind of would kind of just accept the little tidbits of info we've got about the doctor's origin as fact and include them when they were needed and not want to touch them. They wouldn't feel that desire to straighten out those curves in the same way. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. It's, it's just, it's, it's something I think fan fans generally, but I suppose Dr. Who fans in particularly perhaps can be a bit sore. I, I suppose almost kind of precious about because, um, there, there is that expectation that people should be should be approaching this from the same kind of vantage point as them, with all their knowledge of years worth of accumulated sure, um, sure. stuff. Which, and obviously for very different reasons, but you can kind of see it. It's a criticism people have leveled against like mm-hmm. um, Jodie Whittaker, like oh she should have watched all of these old episodes before she. Um, came came to it again
1: which, which i don't is think not, is yeah i don't think that's a fair
0: criticism at all yeah i mean and obviously i imagine that is motivated by something other than um than just a genuine belief that it sh- it should be um an expectation of actors because there's a reason matt smith didn't get it so much but um the it, it's it's not something you really see in other in other kind of parts of of, of acting like no no one sort of says, oh, yeah, you should go back and watch. That's a bad example. I'm not going to share that with you. Um,
1: I think it's to they... do with the history of Doctor Who, though, because I, I think something similar like like if they cast someone as James Bond and then, mm-hmm. they, and then there was an interview where the person said that they'd never seen a James Bond film, I think there'd be a similar uproar from Bond fans.
0: Yeah. I think it's I... very
1: rare that you get something with the history that Doctor Who has. Mm. Um, I don't know. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I yes, I do.
1: Should we talk about some of the um, the positive things then that Moffat and particularly Davis, and maybe even Chibnall, brought to the show through being a fan? Because I'm thinking about um, Russell T Davies bringing the show back. And mm. to me, his being a fan was crucial there because he was able to distill Doctor Who to all of its core elements in a way that someone who, who was coming to it fresh would not ne- necessarily have been able to know, okay, what which of these things from the classic show do we need to keep, and which things are not needed in a modern TV landscape. Maybe maybe someone with just a good eye for TV could have done that, but I think Russell being a fan really helped that. Um. He, he knew what not to do in a way that like the writer of the TV movie didn't.
0: Yeah, but I think he was quite a big fan as well. If if I am okay, yeah. If and I think that's I don't why know he that's saw the case or not. I, I'm reasonably sure Matthew Jacobs. I want to right. say his name was. Um, please do Google that and check. So no, I don't I believe myself. Matthew Jacobs. Yeah. I yeah, but because um, I think that's part of why you know you've got Sylvester McCoy at the start, which mm, is. Mm largely i think the consensus has come around that um bad bad choice although sylvester mccoy is yeah it was yeah, not necessarily yeah. the wisest because you imagine rose like paul mcgann comes along says run and then and then regenerates when he blows up the shopping oh my god it would be so, it's so weird Yeah, very strange and maybe there's a version where you could kind of lean into that where you're kind of really upfront, you're going look how strange this person is but yeah I, I, I you
1: could have that kind of foreshadow the finale where it obviously it happens again,
0: but I maybe think, only yeah. at the end to reveal that the strange man she met was the strange man she then travelled with. That, I
1: don't know. I think you've actually made that work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, w- I want to see that version of series one now.
0: Yeah, the, people will will stumble on this in the same way they found um, Stephen Moffat's old Usenet posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think it's almost sort of hindsight is 2020 because we might well have been sat here saying, oh, wasn't it such a great thing that the person who revived Doctor Who in 2005 wasn't a fan and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Davies could take over in 2010 and, you know, so on, which... Yeah, yeah I think I, in a
1: I way there's, there isn't a parallel universe where we'd be saying that because I don't think... Anyone yeah, who mean, wasn't a fan would have pushed to get the show made. <laughs> Do
0: you know what I mean? Probably not. Although... Hmm. Yeah, that's... Well, I don't know. I think you might be right about that. Certainly in 2005. Maybe not eventually. But yeah, I think, I think you're right there. But... um oh, I mean, it would have
1: been remade eventually. Especially, yeah, like, yeah. in this era of everything being remade. Mm. But they'd have got to it eventually. But I think in a, in a shitter, more Netflixy way. Whereas Russell came in exactly the right time and, you know, before everything was commoditized in quite so um, severe a way and made a really good version of Doctor Who. That really, you know, I'm thinking of things like Christopher Eccleston's Doctor, even, that Mm. it works because it's got on the page the Doctor is there. Do you know what I mean? Even though. Eccleston is so radically different in the interpretation of the character.
0: But I mean I think that as much comes down we're almost sort of blurring the lines a bit because we're kind of seeing there where Russell T Davies was kind of a talented enough writer and producer and so on to realise where to kind of abandon the fan stuff because there's a very um, you know there's a version of it where it's a very kind of posh tweed suit kind of guy hanging about um, which
1: and maybe it was that he was a fan that that allowed us to trust him to abandon some stuff that we maybe would have considered sacrosanct, you know?
0: I mean, I certainly in two thousand and five, I had no strong opinions on what was and wasn't sacrosanct. But um, yeah, I, I mean, me neither. But yeah,
1: I, I sort of mean fans in general. But, but yeah, if it, if it was someone who they who they knew was brand new to Doctor Who. Who had yeah. crafted this new version of of the Doctor as a character? Maybe they'd have been more suspicious of it.
0: I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I suppose there's an inclination to be suspicious of anything new, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Fan mindset, but um, anyway, yeah. I guess because that whole kind of what what did they bring that was very good and so on does kind of highlight, I suppose, that this isn't necessarily about like, like about kind of the quality, or or not, but just rather the. Um, I guess what one, one of the just things the fl- I,
1: just the flavor of it,
0: rather yeah. Than one of the things of I quite like about Doctor Who is that it has has the capacity to be, you know, something very different, something reinterpreted, some you know something different every week, let alone every couple of years when the staffing changes. But um, the and I, and I just think that's sort of the next the next step is that you know whoever comes to it next shouldn't have to come with it with all this paperwork that proves their fan credentials or whatever. And baggage. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a fresh perspective. I, because that's, you know, one of the, one of the things that's pretty neat about it, the ability to, um, look at it in, in different ways. And I suspect someone who is not a fan to the extent that, you know, you or I, or the, the various listeners are, um, would would bring something very different that I just just would not expect, and that is pretty neat, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I I kind of um I'm contradicting myself here because I I mm. talked about the difference earlier between writing a single episode and writing a series, but I'm I'm thinking about someone like Jamie Matheson, who has gone on record saying that he's never really watched Doctor Who or cared for it. Yeah, like it was and a casual fan, yeah, of best ca- or, casual yeah. viewer, but he wrote some of the some of the best. Um, episodes of those three series that he wrote for, yeah, and yeah, I, I and seemed it's, to seem to really understand what Doctor Who was about, didn't he?
0: Yeah, like it's just it's not or or it shouldn't be a a prerequisite.
1: No, you're like, absolutely right. Mm,
0: and I, 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 I t- t- in fairness, I don't know necessarily how many people would hold it as mm. a um as a prerequisite, but it's just something I kind of I think see. I might have come up a this lot.
1: conversation um possibly i th- i think as well there's a there's a sort of um uh gender and race uh element to this as well Yes, and, uh, very much so that doctor who fans do- and and especially doctor who fans who are of the age that yeah. you kind of have uh, to be to to be exec producer of a primetime television series mm. tend to be certain... white men yeah. like not always straight white men that's for sure but white mm. men all the same and yeah. If we want a somebody a little bit um, uh, less white and male <laughs> as a <laughs> as a Doctor Who showrunner, it might be a case of looking outside that fan community, and it might not because there are loads of Doctor Who fans that are not white men. But I think yeah, yeah, I think that... you do limit that pool in terms of how how diverse your writing staff can be.
0: Mm. And mean that that's. Yeah, very much part of it because um, I do also think that the next showrunner shouldn't be a white man. But that felt like less of a fun podcast topic. But um... I think it's true
1: though because as much as Chris Chibnall's done his best to make um, the show more diverse, both on screen and off, the thing that still the thing that still needs to change is him. Do you know what I mean? Like he's yeah, it's still a white man pulling all the strings to make that happen. Um, which is kind of interesting to me.
0: Hmm. And I, I mean, yeah, it's it's just it artificially limits the um, the pool of, of various very talented people who are for sure out there and should be, you know, in, invited to come take over.
1: Yeah, and but, someone who with a with a with a, a a different world view, you know, who can impose mm. that on Doctor Who. Yeah,
0: and um, and obviously really this is kind of what I meant about um, about caveats, and it's what you said. Um, Obviously, there are lots of non-white, non-male Doctor yeah. Who fans, um, and uh, which is why the sort of the narrower and more caveated version is shouldn't be that particular type of generation of demographic fan, fans. whatever. Yeah. Because um, I think
1: within the next ten years, we're going to get to a point where there are people of all yeah,
0: milked, people side watching you know, it with, who, Matt yeah, Smith, exactly, but, yeah.
1: exactly, who are now ready to take the. Take the, the reins Doctor Who. Yeah, take the reins. Mm-hmm. Um, you went with a more archaic metaphor there. Um...
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. When um, was the last time you saw some reins?
1: I oh, not for a long time. You don't get. What? I live in. I live in um, North London. You don't see a lot of um, a lot of horse drawn <laughs>
0: cars <laughs> around here. There um... was a there was a downpour near me. <laughs> oh so I am a commit to that. <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question now. Then, okay. If the Doctor, if the next uh, Doctor Who showrunner should not be a Doctor Who fan, then which writer should it be?
0: Um,
1: I'm sorry, I, that is quite a difficult question. No, it,
0: I I suspected you might uh, ask me that,
1: and you've wisely prepared an answer, right?
0: I. I, um, <laughs> yeah no no i did i i i thought about it and i tried to come up with a sufficiently clever cop out i could not um it's hard isn't it
1: because unless yeah, I, you have I a mean, knowledge of a, uh, uh, it's so hard to know which tv writers would be good for doctor who i yeah,
0: think it, it's so it's, it's so much hard about to their that. kind of individual pitch than anything else I don't know. There, there are there are lots of interesting people out there who would have very interesting takes on it. I I mean I can't remember who, but I saw someone was saying recently that um, you know, Michaela Cole could do it. She could you know write all the episodes. She could star in it. And um, I suspect she might have. Better I think
1: yeah, Michaela Cole's probably got better things to do. I would love much to see that, to do with her time. But, but yeah, I think um, I don't know that she'd be that interested in doing that. But I I would yeah. love to see it. Same Either true of someone like Phoebe waller If she Phoebe was interested, if she, she was would
0: in... probably have a very good reason yeah. to be. Very Michaela,
1: if you're interested, we want everyone wants to get in
0: touch. Yeah, it would be It'd interesting be to bad. see
1: a star of Doctor Who write a
0: Doctor Who, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, something that is much more kind of individualistic. Yeah, I want to see Noel Clarke write a Doctor Who.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's written a Torchwood. He wrote Torchwood, yeah, didn't and he? he's obviously got a um, great track record of writing movies and stuff. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, he'd be a really interesting voice, I think, to to see write Doctor Who, especially as someone who's got a bit of a legacy with within the show. Mm. Um, I'm not I even saying once he. As well.
0: Say again. <laughs> I interviewed him once as well. Oh, did you? How was he? Yeah, he was nice. I mean, it was only a very short conversation about. Um, uh, I i forget the name of the the third one in the trilogy. Was it one oh, of his Kiddlehood ones? Yeah. Yeah, Kiddlehood. Yeah. Um, maybe it was called Brotherhood. I, I get the order mixed up. Yeah, right? that, yeah. But, um, it's yeah, like the know, Three Colours nice. movies, isn't it? It's like what? what yeah, what, yeah. Um, it just felt nice. like I could drop that in there. It's very relevant. Bit of a name drop. Yeah. Yeah, well,
1: I know. Um, <laughs> maybe what cut it- that. What if I limited you? You keep mandating which bits I should put out. Yes. And, um, you're, you're in charge. You're it's my charge. choice and my choice, choice alone. It's not. If you yes. do want me to cut anything specific out, just let me know. Um, I. What if I limited you then to people who have already written for Doctor Who and said to you that it didn't have to be a, a, a Doctor Who fan or not? You know, it could be that their Doctor Who fan status is irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, it has to be someone who's written for Doctor Who. Who do we yeah. go for?
0: Um, I think of the sort of very interesting and also plausible kind of
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, candidates. I I would be very interested to kind of over the last few years. I'd be interested what um, Vinay Patel would do. I with. was going
1: to I was going to say Vinay, Vinay Patel. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I think he he's working on a sort of a show of his own. Because I think he said um, he's not writing something for series thirteen oh, because he's. Kind of preparing this this pitch, for a for a sci-fi show. So Ooh, if that right. goes well, uh, you know there, there's. Oh, the but if piece. that
1: goes well, maybe he wouldn't bother because he's done sci-fi.
0: Fair point. Fair yeah. point. Well, it could um, go
1: either way, I suppose.
0: Hopefully, you know, if if he's listening, is he a listener? Probably. Absolutely um, not. <laughs> <laughs> I a wish. Secret listener. Um but. Um, yeah, I, I think he'd be. I'd be very interested to see his take. Sarah Dollard, going back a few years earlier. Yeah, yeah. Also, also a fan um, for sure. Yeah. What about
1: in general? If you if showrunner Just... aside, who who would you want to see on the writing roster for series thirteen? Obviously, that's already set in stone. But um... if you were, if you could will scripts into existence from anybody who's who's written for Doctor Who before. Um. Any... I definitely wanna wanna see more from um Maxine Alderton personally.
0: Yeah, yeah. She I mean, she is take. Am I right in thinking she's the gonna be a like a like a I they gave her an official title, I've forgotten it's, it.
1: it. It's rumoured, I believe, yeah. I don't rumored, think I yes. don't think the BBC have officially said it, but yeah, she it, it's rumoured that she is like gonna be Chibnall's right hand woman for series. Thirteen, which I think is a very wise choice that they've made. Mm. If that is true,
0: rumored, but we're we're enthusiastic about it. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't know if um. Uh, Named Mallory Blackman, if, yeah. if she'd yeah, like yeah, yeah. if she'd like to return, it'd I would be, be cool to more. see
1: her back. I think there's there's quite a few writers from the last couple of years. Um, Ed Heim, mm. I think it's always interesting, even though his work is quite messy. It's quite interesting to see what he um he cooks up that's um, true maybe some of the guys from back in the uh uh back in the back Stephen in the day Moffat era yeah like uh jamie matheson sarah dollar who, who you already mentioned um maybe okay. even someone like frank cotter boyce who i
0: was about to say that yeah, actually, i don't yeah. much I'm...
1: i don't much like either of his scripts but i really like I'm... him as a writer so i'd i'd really yeah. like to Third time looking at with him,
0: fond fonder of those than um, than some others are. and yeah, I, I yeah. enjoyed Smile.
1: Um, some, I think Smile is the better one of the two. But yeah, I'd I'd be interested. I love his, you know, um, not a lot of people know. I don't think, but he wrote he writes all of Michael Winterbottom's films. Um, I didn't didn't realize that. And also wrote Millions, which is like my favorite kids' mm. book ever. Um, I was quite fond
0: of. Um, yeah cosmic i think it was called another one of his, I don't know that his books one. Uh, it's about this um very very tall child and everyone assumes he's an adult and through <laughs> a series of uh mishaps he finds himself in space as the kind of designated adult chaperone for a group of children that. that are sending to space That's such
1: a doctor who idea yeah
0: it was, it was quite neat
1: yeah I'd like book. to, see, yeah, I'd like to see Frank Cotrell lean into that a little bit more um, mm. if we if we got him back. But yeah, there's so many um, so many people I'd like to see again. I'm sure so many younger writers out there that we don't even know about that would write amazing Doctor Who scripts. I think one of the great things that Chris Chibnall has done is recruiting people who were acclaimed in the world of theatre, for example, to write for Doctor yeah, Who. I think that's been a really I, great I, thing
0: he's done. Much as I have occasionally very lightly criticised. Uh, his writing i i am often very impressed by uh chris gibnell as a producer and executive producer
1: yeah he knows who to hire i think for sure
0: mm-hmm. absolutely which is you know no small part of it really
1: no no i think yeah like even last year like people like charlene james and mm-hmm. <clears throat> again maxine alderton nina mativier all great hires that weren't people that fans could have ever pointed him to do you know what i mean yeah, they're not names that you and I could have could have cooked up, but um, mm. yeah, I think that's pretty much the topic covered. Thank you so much for talking to me, Alex.
0: Thank you very much. I I
1: really enjoyed this. Um, okay. But yeah, where can people find you on Twitter and other social media platforms? And um, what is on the cards for you in terms
0: of your writing and blogging uh, in the near future? Um, so, oh my my Twitter is at Moreland Writer um uh the website presumably also in the description um i'm i'm not available on any other social media okay. platforms um tried to youtube once i was not very good at it i start talking and i just you know but, um <laughs> uh what is on the cards for the rest of the year um you know not a lot hanging about um it's okay. Been, I'm not
1: gonna. I'm not gonna hold you to any anything yeah. because this has been a very stressful year, and I, I think most of us don't have any plans at all for the rest I've of the um, Do they?
0: No. I've, I've been trying to work out my my top ten sort of television shows of the year.
1: Oh, great! that will be cool to read.
0: Obviously, obviously a very taxing thing to do, and then uh, you know, exclusive. You heard it here first. Uh, in in early 2021. I will. I will write about the the Matt Smith episodes because it will be eleven years of the eleventh Doctor. I think if I've got the maths correct.
1: Yeah, that's right. You've got the yes. maths correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the, the pump police are coming to get me for that one. Um, yeah, but great. I'm, yes. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank um, you very much for having me. Yeah, I, so I really
0: enjoyed it. Thank you.
1: No problem. Um, that is everything from me. You can find me on Twitter at Molly underscore Martian. Um, Those who follow me already will know that I've been reviewing uh, every Mercury Prize nominated album ever. Uh, I'm nearly at the end of my journey and I'm going to be preference reviewing them all and writing a really long blog about the experience of um, reviewing all of the Mercury Prize nominated albums. Um, So I I should probably, I'll put that out within the next few weeks. Um, And you can email, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at GalactiaPod and you can email me um, for any podcast stuff at uh, galatioyopod at gmail.com but uh, yes thank you so much everyone and see you next week or no see you in the two weeks <laughs> we're
0: going to do that again thanks so much everyone and bye bye bye